Hello, and welcome to the Psychedelic Psychiatrist Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion around all aspects of psychedelic medicine. This is also a space that hosts conversations about impactful personal journeys and a way to decrease stigma around these molecules and share our experiences with one another. So get ready for some deep dives and fun times. I'm your host, Juan Pablo Galindo. So very excited to present the next couple of podcasts. Um, so to give some perspective, there was a podcast recently released by a New York magazine called Cover Story, and it looks at the dark side of psychedelics and psychedelic therapy. And I thought it was important to have a conversation about this. So I called upon one of my colleagues, Kyle Keller, another psychedelic therapist, to join me on this conversation. And it was an amazing conversation and a long conversation. So we'll probably split the conversation to three different episodes. Um, wonderful. So we'll jump in to the first part uh, of our conversation. Hope you enjoy. All right. So welcome back to the podcast. So for those of you who don't know, New York Magazine published a podcast series called Power Trip, looking into the dark side of psychedelic therapy. So this podcast that um, we're recording today is a response to this series, and it's coming from my own opinions. I am in no means a spokesperson for any organization. Um, I only speak for myself and my experience and knowledge as a psychiatrist who specializes in psychedelic therapy. Um, but first of all, I wanted to pay the utmost respect to the people in the Power Trip series who shared extremely traumatic and vulnerable events. And this is in no way invalidating their experience, um, nor offering any excuse for what happened to them. Their stories should be known, and I thank them for bringing light to the matter. To start off, I wanted to just take a look at the podcast um, that was done by New York Magazine, Power Trip, and see where it's coming from in terms of its intention. Um, so I have to acknowledge and believe that the creators of the story are coming from a place of harm reduction and safety. The series focused on how things can go wrong in the psychedelic uh, medicine field, which is a legitimate concern and an important topic uh, to bring to light. Um, this topic needs to be looked at and talked about, so I appreciate this about the cover story series. My response is to try and share a more balanced view of what this field looks like, as my experience in being a psychedelic practitioner and a psychedelic therapist. Um, additionally, I am a MAPS-trained therapist for the MDMA Trials for Treatment-Resistant PTSD, um, and I'm also a recipient of the CIIS uh, Psychedelic Therapy Training Course, uh, class of 2019. And the cover story series touched upon both of these organizations. Um, and so I just wanted to uh, 
share my take on it and share my experience and hopefully um, bring a more balanced viewpoint to uh, how psychedelic therapy is um, being utilized in everyday clinics and how uh, people are trained in uh, psychedelic therapy. So in thinking about today's episode, I thought it would be important to invite a colleague of mine um, from the psychedelic therapy world. His name is Kyle Keller. He is a clinical psychotherapist who, like myself, specializes in psychedelic assisted therapy. He is the CEO and founder of the Institute for Integrative Therapies, which was the first psychedelic therapy practice in the whole state of Minnesota. He is also the CEO and co-founder of Ellie Family Services, a mental health clinic that services the Twin City area in Minnesota. Um, at one point, he was known to have the most beautiful hair east of the Mississippi, <laughs> flowing long and wonderful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation today. All right, awesome. Um, anything you wanted to let the people know that that, uh, that you're up to or working on these days, or um, or maybe just kind of introducing like how you got into um, doing what you do and the psychedelic therapy work? Yeah, so I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker in the state of Minnesota. Um, I've been in the field of mental health for uh. 15, 15 years? No, sorry, 2006, so however many years that is, 17 years. Um, started working in foster care homes with uh, men diagnosed with schizophrenia and got into social work, case management, um, experienced a lot of frustration in that kind of setting, always wanting to challenge the status quo and examining um what role we as social workers and professionals play in perpetuating the very problems that we're aiming to serve. Um, and through that kind of process of, of frustration, um, ended up getting a, my MSW, so master's degree in, in social work, and became a licensed clinician so that I could you know, do things on that next level and be able to, to diagnose and have conversations around that. Um, and the problems in the field and, um, and so on, and did a lot of psychotherapy and crisis um, clinics and a variety of settings. I worked all across uh, various systems, in and out of jails and prisons, um, a lot of community-based work, and have always been excited and passionate about the psychedelic side of things. It's actually what got me into the um, field of psychology in the first place, which was my undergrad degree. And when, sorry, in 2014, I co-founded a business here in Minnesota that does more traditional outpatient psychotherapy and medication management. And as soon as I understood that psychedelics were re-emerging in the field of mental health, I um, signed up to or applied for CIS and their program, um, the Certified Psychedelic Assisted Psychotherapy Program. And Juan Pablo and I attended the same we were in the same cohort, same same home group, um, and in that process, I also completed the MAPS um, 
parts A through D certificate. I believe that's what it's called, right? <laughs> yeah. So that, and we sat together the first day, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I was, you're the first person that I met for sure. That's right. <laughs> um, and I will just add to what, what you've already said, of course. just to echo, um, that I also share the, the same concerns. I, I tend to be very critical of things in general, of institutions, of authority, um, like I said, always wanting to, to challenge the status quo and not just for the sake of doing it, but because, you know, things tend to go uh, poorly when, you know, power consolidates and um, systems become rigid and bureaucratic and so on. Um, I do think there's a lot of concerning shit happening in this field um, and hope to be on the right side of it. I also think there's a lot of nuance and complexity to it. Um, things we can change and things that we may not be able to. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to be part of a part of that nuanced conversation and to, yeah, talk, excited to talk with you. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing uh, your, your story with us and how you got into uh, the psychedelic work. And, and yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Kyle on the show is because <clears throat> he's always seemed like he has a, a, uh, an amazing compass when it comes to the ethics um, uh, regarding this work and so um, I thought it'd be really great for, for people to hear his viewpoint um, and his ideas um, alright so you ready to jump into it? absolutely yeah nice um, obviously we're not able to fully respond to each part of the cover story series um, every aspect of, of the series I would take a long time and probably be uh, like a, a 10 episode podcast but um, you know for for this episode today I thought it'd be interesting to focus on a couple of parts and uh, and share my thoughts about them and then hear uh, Kyle's thoughts as well all right and for those of you who haven't listened to the cover story series um, it may be important to take a listen to that first before um, listening to the rest of this show just because um, it may be out of context the things that we're referring to Um, but uh, in any case we'll try to um, paint the picture of how it was in the series and um, reflect it accurately in, in this podcast so in the first and second episode one of the narrators and protagonists of the podcast named Lily has entered into the world of psychedelics through personal experience and wishes to be trained as a psychedelic guide and healer. She then goes down to the Amazon and is told to understudy with this shaman named T. Okay, so here are my thoughts on this. So I see this and hear this a bunch about people when they have one psychedelic experience and then based on that one experience, they just want to completely change their lives and become shamanic healers. And then they seek out some training from a quote-unquote spiritual leader um, and go down to the Amazon or somewhere and then come back and now have this amazing psychedelic knowledge and offer underground healing. But when you take a step back, these people have little to no experience actually holding space, no actual medical knowledge, and most importantly, there's no accountability. I feel like all of us who are in the psychedelic field are here because of our experience with psychedelics, but there's a difference between 
having a psychedelic experience and coming out of that thinking, I know nothing about this and I need to learn so much versus, wow, I now have all these skills and now I'm going to start treating people based on this one experience and I'm, I am now like a shaman. Do you agree with that or do you, do you see that too? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty common for people to have, I mean, when it's positive, you know, when it's a, a, a quote unquote positive experience, um, for, for people to have a, the sensation that they've contacted some sort of fundamental mm-hmm. truth about reality and if they're not grounded in in a good place, they can that can sort of inflate their ego and be taken a lot of places and give people a confidence that I don't think they should have in terms of what other people should think, believe, and feel, and how they should maybe uh, relate to psychedelic experiences. Um, I think it's a very dangerous thing, and it and it's not uncommon with these sort of massive experiences that we have. I also think, you know in the United States and other places, there's not a good framework for, uh, integrating psychedelic experiences. And so people are sort of left to their own devices and, um, building their own narratives and not to say that some sort of orthodoxy is, is appropriate or needed, but it's kind of the wild west when people have these experiences and sort of, um, it, it you know, it can just, end up amplifying some pre-existing psychological tendencies or traits, personality traits that somebody has. And, and I, I think there's a real danger there. And I, I do think people then, uh, not all people obviously, but, but some come to believe that they have some special knowledge that is inaccessible to other people and that their role is to uh, evangelize or proselytize and um, I think it's, you know, the same danger that exists in, in religions and is really potentially the seedling of a new terrible, um, you know, system that can be used to harm other people. And I will say for context that I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian church, and so I'm very sensitive to culty type behavior, having grown up in a fundamentalist church. And I see it all around in the psychedelic world community. Um, I think it's definitely is, you know, it's in ceremony communities. It's in the clinical medical side of things. I think the, you know, biggest thing on my radar is other clinicians or therapists that have an inflated ego, think they have some sort of special knowledge about fundamental reality and are, you know, forming a sort of medical cult doing this kind of work. I think it's potentially very dangerous and there's a lot of risks involved and, um, it's, you know, terrifying. And I'm not, I'm certainly not an optimist. I am always keeping an eye out for those things. Um, so not sure what else to add to that, but I, I definitely have an eye for shady shit. Um, and I'm always questioning what people are doing and why they're, what the ration rationale or rationalization is for, for doing it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we need people like you because if people are just kind of going along with the flow and not asking questions and um, aren't uh, like suspicious in some ways, and um, then things kind of go under the radar. And so it's good to always uh, be on top of your game in terms of asking questions, 
um, and making sure people are coming from the right place. Because um, yeah, uh, as you've, as we can see in the cover story series, some things do go under the radar, and then it can be extremely traumatic and um, very scary. Um, and I'm sure we we've both heard numerous stories of people who go to underground healers. Um, and then are traumatized by the arrogance, uh, the very little training that they have. Um, but again, that's not to say that there aren't amazing underground healers. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's underground healers that are so good at what they do. And um, basically the first psychedelic therapists um, in Western medicine were like underground. And for the most part, uh, they seem to have done an amazing job and respected the medicine, but um, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, sometimes it can go the wrong way. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of opportunists, and I, I mean, I think the underground, also the, the overground or the above ground, right? There's people that are bad actors or have bad intentions, or those that, you know, maybe more scary, have good intentions, and end up justifying terrible behavior um, because of their sense that they have some sort of connection to the ultimate truth or, or the answers or whatever, which then I think gives people the sense that they have permission to violate ethical boundaries and guidelines and standards and that sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, there's definitely people that have done amazing work in the underground and the above ground. Um, mm -hmm. And there's people that are drawn to this sort of a thing because of the power and the, um, you know, potential to exploit people and the, the opportunity that exists in those kinds of settings. Yeah, that makes sense. So going back to the cover story, um, in, in this episode, the protagonist, Lily, she goes down to Ecuador. Um, she uh, meets this shaman, T, who ends up being a really bad dude and he ends up drugging her and sexually assaulting her. Um, and it's like super terrifying and horrendous, and my heart goes out to her for this experience. But the other thing that really bothered me is when she came back and recounted what happened to her to the underground community, um, she was met with these really um, terrible reactions ranging from, oh yeah, that's an old story that happens, um, and then there was another person that said, quote, you can't call it rape because if you call it that, you make yourself a victim. Jesus Christ. You manifested this experience so you could grow as a person. And so that part bothers me so much because um, it, it reminds me of the people that say, oh, there's no such thing as a bad trip, which is like such bullshit because there's definitely yeah. such thing as a bad trip. And most importantly, it's because of who you are with and like where you are doing the experience. And so um, for people to invalidate her experience like that just really infuriated me. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if you, yeah, if you had any reactions to towards that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking terrible. Um, I really can't, I just, I mean, I, I can imagine that it, it happens, but I just... The way that people can justify things or, or think that the movement is maybe more important than someone's individual experience. I am a proponent of telling the truth in whatever way that it 
it needs to be told or, you know, that ultimately that's the right way to do everything. And, um, I just, it's just, it's horrendous. I, I truly can't believe that this, this is part of the movement. It needs to be told alongside everything else. Everything is complex and nuanced and complicated and you have to tell all, all aspects of it in order to guard against that type of shit. Cause telling people that they shouldn't express their story because, it's a potential threat to the movement. It says a lot about whatever this m- fucking movement is, which maybe, you know, not maybe, certainly has a shadow side. And that shadow needs to be in the open or out out in the open, needs to be um, articulated in order for us to figure out how to protect against that type of shit. I mean, it's it's as much a part of the story as the healing potential is you know i mean when i do presentations on this i talk very quickly at the beginning about i i I always speak to how much propaganda there was and how misunderstood these things are and so on and then i also reference mk ultra and charles manson and the ways in which these things can be used for horrible ends um and i i see it as a powerful tool um and a powerful tool that can be used for for good or bad purposes um and we have to present it like that otherwise it's going to be really bad i mean it's only going to be far worse like like anything if you're sort of suppressing the shadow aspect or you're denying it then that is what will consume the whole thing Mm -hmm. in my perspective yeah yeah, for sure. You have to definitely look at the shadow and not pretend that it doesn't exist because it's definitely there. Um, and that's what I appreciate about the cover story um, series is that it definitely showed the shadow. So up until this point, I was following along and, and agreeing with what um, they were portraying as a lot of risks in working with mind-altering substances um, and there are a lot of people out there who use these agents, as you said, Kyle, for evil, um, in order to assault, control, or abuse people. Um, but I think one thing to keep in mind is um, that the cover story focused on a very um, narrow-minded view of this field. And so, um, like, if you take a step back, like a huge step back, like looking at our earth, um, at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? Um, so shout out to all the aliens that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> but um, I want to be all inclusive to all <laughs> living beings of the all universe. Um, but we're all humans. And wherever there are humans, we do really amazing things. And we do really fucked up things. And so one of the concerns that the, the cover story series brought up is uh, this aspect of accountability, right? Um, but the problem is that even in the highest realms of accountability, with every safety measure like ever placed, um, the bad apples somehow make their way. Um, and so I just remember in, in medical school, Um, Like from day one, they would ingrain to you that um, not only are you practicing medicine, but you're one mistake away from ruining your career. 
um, and that they're always looking out for you. And when you write your notes, you have to write your notes as if uh, a lawyer was going to read your notes. Um, and so, you know, you would think uh, at the doctor physician level, um, there's so much accountability and you already know the risks and the amount of um, power that you have and how much people uh, place their lives in your hands. But and even at that level, like really bad things happen because again, there's humans and you know, like this guy, Dr. Death, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he uh, was like a neurosurgeon who was purposely like paralyzing people. Um, and so, yeah, so these really terrible things happen in every aspect of society. And so, um, one of the issues I had with, with the podcast is that, um, like they were really, um, focused on look at the terrible things that are happening in, in psychedelic medicine, uh, under the umbrella of clinical trial. And I guess my opinion is yes of course this happens this is shit happens where humans are but it's not limited to psychedelic medicine like this happens in every aspect um, of society and it, psychedelic medicine is not um, somehow special or immune to it um, and so uh, that's just one thing I wanted to, to point out um, does that make any sense yeah, absolutely. It does. It for sure. It's yeah, it, it exists everywhere. Unfortunately, um, I do think there are some things about the field that we're in that are likely to draw more of it mm -hmm. in a sense that there's kind of, I would say maybe two categories of the bad actors, let's say. Yeah. Um, one is the opportunist, you know, we could say sociopath. It's like someone who's truly bent on exploiting people and harming people and they're like oh great you know somebody's in a highly vulnerable state they're malleable they're i can influence them mm -hmm. you know all of these things like the charles manson type character and there are charles manson type therapists and it may be a little bit more polished but um that is one thing where someone is truly just you know pretending to be a the average person and and has some sinister motivations and then I also think on the the other part of the the bad actor thing is the well-intentioned I'm using air quotes mm -hmm. well-intentioned person um, who starts to justify what we would consider bad behavior because of this special knowledge or sense that one has special knowledge. Um, I, I would I would think there's no I don't have you know I'm not referencing any evidence but. I would imagine that the field of psychedelic medicine is going to draw more of that than the Catholic Church, than clergy, um, and that, um, which also has the issue with like the reaction formation piece of it, where um, kind of the, the Freudian idea that someone is um, maybe suppressing something in themselves or trying to uh, navigate their own struggles, and then they they pursue a career or a vocation that is you know, the opposite of that. Um, is it raining there? <laughs> yeah, it's just started, it just started downpouring. Yeah, um, I'm picking that up. Um, but you know what I mean? I, I do think our field 
will draw more just because of the power that exists in it. The the kinetic energy the or the energy potential that exists with it. It's just like, uh, I think it's going to draw a bit more. And it is important to acknowledge that it, it exists everywhere in every sort of field. Um, the question is, how do we, you know, guard against that? And and it, it the conversation has to be nuanced because there's a majority of people are very well-intentioned and doing very good work and some would argue saving lives in a, in a way. And so how do you, how do we sort of square that circle? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, like from my point of view, I would say like 95% of people are doing a really great job and, um, are good apples and, um, uh, respect their fellow humans with, with that most, um, level. Would, would you say that percentage is okay? Or like, it sounds like in our field, the percentage may be lower than another. Is that, is that kind of what you think? Yeah, I actually don't. Yeah. I would say that's probably, I, I wouldn't know what yeah. the percentage is in other things. I mean, it, and I, I don't know how much the, you know, getting that exact, but I think, <laughs> sure. yeah, that, that would be my guess too, is five, five percent, but 5% obviously can do a lot of damage. And make yeah, totally. Headlines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also when the 5% are in a position of power, and influence and then they're training other mm. other people that's good point problematic and oftentimes with any sort of um you know where there is a hierarchy or there's like a you know this person is a um source of knowledge for other people then they can you know disseminate bad ideas very broadly to people that i you know would fall in the category more of the like really well-intentioned and maybe are crossing some lines or in the gray area because their teacher, their the person they're listening to, that they've put into a position of authority is, you know, questionable in that way. And I think that that kind of uh, complicates the whole issue. And and I do think oftentimes people that are drawn to those positions of power and influence are more likely to have some of those traits that are concerning to us. Mm, I see what you mean. But that's such a good point because um, in the cover story series, they, they brought up the psychiatrist from Mexico, Salvador Roquette, who, um, as you pointed out, was in this position of being someone who's known to be so wise and the one to go to to be trained uh, for psychedelic therapy. Um, but when you and uh, like when you and I hear about that, so you know a lot of his um, techniques were playing like really loud music like hard metal with strobe lights and making people watch like movies of really graphic and horrible things for like eight hours straight like that sounds um it like reminds me of a torture movie from uh, like a torture scene from a movie yeah or like guantanamo bay uses the same yeah shit. <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah. but like you said there are people who are like oh that looks like a really great way to heal people which um and if, if that person's in a position of power, then that influence can disseminate. And um, like the cover story series pointed out, there were some of his students that actually ended up causing uh, a lot of trauma for, for people. Yeah. And I think we all have that, or human beings have that tendency to want to like give up their own 
autonomy because it's scary to be fully responsible and like in charge of your own experience. So we, we want to sort of hand that over to somebody else, to an authority figure, to whatever the like archetype of the father or, you know, mother, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to look at that. But um, we oftentimes want to find that person that has the answer. And I think so frequently it's a, a person that's really the wrong wrong one but you know those traits of hyper confidence and um convincingness and charisma those are things we want to you know we would love to give our responsibility over to an authority figure like that and it definitely happens in every field and ours for sure um you know the expert or the the one that has the answers and it's you know when they have bad ideas that shit very quickly spreads I don't think that many people follow Ro- Roquette, right? I don't. I, to me, it's like very obvious that that's yeah. insane and outrageous. <laughs> Super insane. Um, but maybe someone is bought into it. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess apparently some people have. You know. Yeah, yeah. But but you're saying that uh, when people train under someone like that, then they can be like, oh, I was doing that because this well-renowned person taught me how to do it and so i was just going along with what they taught told me is that kind of what you're saying kind of um like takes accountability away from from them yeah i think people often very quickly lose their own sense of like uh i don't want to say their own moral compass or something like that but they yeah it's 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 very strange how quickly we're human beings are willing to to do that and this like you said this field is not immune to that and the stakes mm-hmm. happen to be higher or maybe yeah higher and different in this kind of field because because mm-hmm. of the profound nature of these experiences and so it's almost like people are willing to accept even sort of wilder ideas and you know there because this trait of openness is amplified or whatever with psychedelic experiences you can be more open to really shitty ideas <laughs> like mm, you're that's what you you're, mean. you're, you're you're maybe like primed to be more willing to accept something that's just com- you know clearly absurd because you're like mm. you know this person's knows a lot about it they're confident and mm-hmm. I, I for some reason trust them it's just like that's there's a lot of a lot of danger there and cu- yeah. you know the cult thing i my alarms go off maybe too much with that side of it but yeah i mean i just i can't imagine how someone would would listen to like those techniques and be like yeah that's a great idea for you know this like killing the ego or whatever like the, the, yeah this uh-huh. idea that people have of that it's just like uh yeah it's just i don't know I, i'm not sure exactly what blinds us to to seeing that but i i will say quickly that as i mentioned i grew up in a fundamentalist christian church i think a lot one of the main issues, or not main issues, so one of the many issues that are happening currently is a lot of us grew up in religious backgrounds and environments, and there is no sort of dominant, there's no religious connection in the world today. Not to say that it's good if there was, or that the past was better. None of that. I'm just stating the fact that that's, that institution is sort of dissolved. So all of us have that kind of framework, that religious um, substructure in our psyche in our in our mind and we're we're looking to fill it looking to have it map onto something constantly i think and it can become secular religions or whatever and in the psychedelic world it's you know 
that's kind of the playing field of this is like the transpersonal or the big ideas side of it. So we're all sort of seeking that out. And I think that sets everybody up to be, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It sets us up to, to be vulnerable to, to that and to mm-hmm. believing ridiculous mm-hmm. shit. It's like you st- you're like, I'm, I no longer believe this ridiculous shit. And then, you know, the same, receptor is filled by some other thing and sometimes it's a you know powerful psychiatrist that has wild ideas but you kind of see him as the moses of your field or whatever i don't know if what i'm saying makes any sense but um just kind of <laughs> thoughts yeah no no <laughs> yeah it makes perfect sense nice so that was part one of my conversation with kyle keller regarding the cover story series podcast um thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for part two coming soon take care